Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Today we spoke with Jason Jessup. He's the CEO of Magna Mining. They're a private nickel company operating in the Sudbury Basin in Canada. We talked to him about strategy and funding for a private company before they go public sometime in the near future. Hello, Jason. How are you? Great, Matthew. How are you doing today? Not too bad. Not too bad. Thanks for joining us. Now, this is an early stage project, but it's a nickel project. I think people are excited about nickel at the moment. So why don't you give us a one minute summary and we'll get into it. So Magna Mining is a, a private company. We incorporated in Ontario in 2016. And really the purpose of our company was to consolidate uh, nickel copper projects in the Sudbury Basin. So we're very focused on one particular region. This is a region that we have a lot of experience in. I personally live in Sudbury. I've worked here for different companies uh, over the past 20 years. So this is really where we're comfortable. In 2017, we made our first acquisition of Ursa Major Minerals. Ursa Major owns the Shakespeare mine. Shakespeare is a nickel, copper, cobalt, platinum, palladium, gold, open pit project that uh, has 21 million tons of Ni4311 resource. It is, uh, you know, it's rather advanced in that it was in commercial production in 2010-11 through toll milling. Uh, approximately 490,000 tons of ore was toll milled through a mill here in Sudbury. It does have permits, uh, all the major permits to build a 4,500 ton per day open pit mine with a concentrator and tailing storage facilities. So this really uh, attracted us to the project. And, you know, we were, we were, I would say, uh, very strategic. And when we purchased it, because nickel was in that $4 range, uh, people were not really looking at nickel projects. But we understand the fundamentals uh, behind nickel. And when people are not uh, talking about nickel is a time to make acquisitions. So we've been able to advance the project over the last couple of years, uh, de-risk it further. And we're pretty excited to move it into, uh, you know, update the feasibility study and in a position to make a construction decision in 2020. Perfect. Okay. Thanks for that summary. Appreciate it. I'm interested in this. I'm interested in this story because it's early stage. You're, you're private. You talked about that, mm-hmm. but with all things Canadian, it eventually gets listed. So I <laughs> would love it if you could share with us the process that you're going to go through to kind of get it to that point. So for our subscribers and followers and investors, um, I'd love to maybe start with who's in the team. So you said you were introduced to it. So there's you. Tell us about you and then tell us about the team. Sure. So as I mentioned, you know, I'm from Sudbury. I've worked for a number of different companies here. You know, I really started my career uh, in Sudbury working for Inco, which is now Valet. So I, uh, I was management at one of the mines here in Sudbury. Uh, spent about five years working there, you know, great company, great experience. But after five years, I recognized that I probably don't fit within a, a large bureaucratic company like that. So I uh, I went to work for another up and coming junior that was in the base and that was FNX Mining. Uh, those who don't know FNX Mining, uh, in 2002, they were a junior company, a share price about 25 cents, acquired five uh, past producing mines from Inco. Uh, through, you know, good exploration and, uh, you know, creativity and entrepreneurial spirit, 
they were able to bring three of those uh, mines back into production, made some significant discoveries at them. And, you know, before the financial crisis of 2008, had a share price of, you know, approximately $40. So huge success. And I was really fortunate to be part of that team and, and see that growth. What, what did you do then? So I was a operations manager at two of the mines here in Sudbury, uh, brought one of them into commercial production, uh, you know, helped raise another one from a 300,000 ton per day or 300,000 ton per year production to over 800,000 tons a year. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was heavily involved in the operation side of the business. <clears throat> and after 2011, um, you know, we had merged with another company, gotten a little bit bigger, and uh, I thought there were some opportunities maybe work for another junior. So I've spent a couple years in the uh, corporate development uh, field, doing work in the royalty space as well as junior mining, uh, structuring deals and, and finding acquisitions and evaluating projects. And in 2016, uh, you know, saw an opportunity here in Sudbury to do something again, similar to the experience I had at FNX. And uh, that's when we formed Magna. Okay. And who else is on the team? So our chairman is Vern Baker. Vern Baker is a uh, professional engineer. He has a MBA from Stanford. Vern was the VP of exploration or sorry, VP of operations at uh, FNX mining. Uh, we worked there together. Vern was a, you know, a great leader and actually a, a really great mentor of mine. And we kept in touch after we both left and, you know, we both see this opportunity in Sudbury to take some of these non-core assets and, uh, and be very successful mining them differently than some of the majors. But he's, he says here he's full-time CEO at Jaguar Mining. So. Yeah, so he's our chairman. He's also a CEO of Jaguar Mining in Brazil. So he uh, joined that team in August and yeah. he's helping them unlock the value in their operations in Brazil. So what's what's his actual day-to-day -day with you on this particular project? So, you know, we, we communicate weekly. He's, uh, you know, he's involved as, as much as needed. So he is available. Uh, you don't get to see him probably in person as often mm -hmm. as I'd like to, mm -hmm. but, you know, he's a great leader and, and great, uh, great collaborator to bring teams together. Right. And what's that mean for you in, in terms of what you're trying to do now? So he's what, giving you advice or still mentoring you or? Yeah, well, he, you know, he's the chairman of the board. So, you know, on board decisions and, and large decisions, he obviously mm -hmm. gets involved. Um, you know, he's still very involved in the strategy of how we move forward. And, and we have a few other opportunities that we're looking at. So he gets uh, involved in that. You know, one of the things that we've done here, and I think this is really what speaks to the experience, and I can get into some of the rest of the team, but, you know, our experience working in FNX and in Sudbury is really based around people. And I think that's what differentiates us from maybe other groups that have, you know, tried to do something similar in Sudbury in the past. We were a very successful group because of the culture. So, you know, Vern, I would say, uh, from a cultural perspective, you know, he, he sets that tone for the group. And uh, we provide a lot of ownership to the people that work in our team. So we're a small team, you know, we, we wear many hats, but right down to, you know, the, the guys that go out to site and do one monitoring and, you know, the care and maintenance work, we give a lot of ownership to our people. And, and that's the success uh, successful culture that we saw at FNX Mining. So we recreate that. Okay. Uh, okay. Now, as far as the rest of the team, um, our CFO and, and co-founder of Magna is Derek Wayrush. 
Derek is a, a CA by background. He's been an executive or a board member of a number of publicly listed companies over his career. Currently, he is the interim CEO of Palladium One, which is a junior uh, Palladium company, mm -hmm. uh, explorer, and has a property in Finland, as well as a nickel property here in Ontario. Uh, Derek, you know, we uh, at this point, we do not need a full-time CFO, so he acts as our CFO and as a board member. Uh, you know, Derek and I speak almost daily and uh, quite involved, especially on the financial side of the business. And Peter Lightfoot is our VP Exploration. Peter is a, a veteran of the Sudbury Basin, spent a lot of his career with Inco and Ballet uh, as a chief geologist for international nickel targeting. And he literally wrote the textbook on uh, Sudbury deposits right. and the origin of the Sudbury igneous contact. So Peter, uh, you know, he really leads our exploration in and around Shakespeare, as well as evaluations of other non-core assets that we're looking at. Okay, and I notice you've got a bunch of other strategic advisors, and let's not get into that. We can maybe post this presentation up at some point for people to look at. But I'm interested in, you kind of like, I'm bringing the band back together here. Some people you've worked with before, people who've, uh experience success together and you think but what do you think actually say so we just want to do a project or we just want to work together i mean what was the genesis of this what was the idea yeah so you know we have big aspirations here in Sudbury. we don't want to be just a little single asset junior who you know hopefully we can get to a point where you know we're a 50 or 100 million dollar company we have seen the success that can happen. And like I had mentioned in the past with our group, so we really have big aspirations. Um, there's a few things that we see. So by having Shakespeare and, and building the mill, it gives a real strategic presence in the base. And there's a number of deposits that either don't fit well with the majors or uh, have metallurgy that maybe isn't conducive to the, the large mills they have here in Sudbury. You know, for example, Valet's mill can process probably 35,000 tons a day. So it's, mm. it's a huge it's a huge uh, plant. You can't customize for a small or small percentage of ore coming in. So having this opens up a lot of opportunities to negotiate and find other feeds that can be higher grade than our open pit ore. Yeah, but can come back a bit for me here. You're, you're getting into the project. Come sure. back a bit. Tell me, like helicopter view. What was that? Right. We are trying to be what a major nickel producer in the Sudbury region or globally. Or what? what what's the yeah, idea? Yeah. So. So absolutely, we are looking to become, I would say, a mid-tier producer in the Sudbury region. We're very Sudbury focused. We're leveraging the experience of our, our team and, you know, and I would say our advisory team is, is very important to us. Again, a lot of former FNX people who have a lot of firsthand knowledge and insight. So that is what we are focused on. You know, I would say that we are not experts in mining exploration and mine building. We are, we've, you know, not built a, a mine in the Congo. We have not, uh, you know, operated a heap leach gold operation in Chile. What we have done very successfully and what we are experts on is exploration, mining in Sudbury and building mines in Sudbury. That is really where our expertise is. So this is where our focus will be. Right. So what's the challenge going forward then? Okay. You, you know what you want to be. You've articulated that clearly and it makes sense. Okay, that's the experience. You know what you know. 
Um, what are the challenges? You're talking about building this thing into mid-tier. You're going to need to make, you're going to need to raise money. You're going to need to make buying acquisitions. You're going to need to make those acquisitions. Um, and all, you know, all, all the while, uh, well, and go public, I, I suspect, at some point. How do you manage all of that? Is it realistic, first of all? We, uh, we believe it's realistic. We believe that we have a great strategy. We have a team that's done it before. Uh, raising money, I think, you know, is, is always a challenge in the junior space. And being a private company, uh, especially, you know, in the past couple of years, as nickel prices were, were quite depressed, yeah, it was absolutely challenging. Again, we were able to keep our GNA costs quite low, you know, be really focused, continue to de-risk. Going forward, uh, we have, we believe in this better nickel environment, there's a lot more opportunity to raise capital. Having a project that, and a company that's focused in a, a great jurisdiction, you know, there's a tremendous amount of, of metal endowment in this region. And, you know, with the combination of not just nickel, but also, you know, some really considerable byproducts of copper and cobalt, platinum, palladium, gold. It, we have seen a lot of interest in, and in, uh, we think that getting the capital, once we have our feasibility study done for project financing, um, you know, it is quite reasonable. We're not looking at raising $500 million to, to build out Shakespeare. Our CapEx is, it's not completely finalized, but we'll be in about the $150 million Canadian range. So it's manageable. Uh, we have a good byproduct credit, so there's opportunity to use a uh, precious metal stream as a portion of that project financing without taking away from you know the overall economics too much of the project. So there is some some strategies we're working on right now as far as moving that forward. As for you know other projects in the basin, uh, you know because of our success in the past with you know many of our team members. Finding the the capital to to make these acquisitions, we believe, is a, is very possible. It's very doable, um, and the challenge always is is dealing with majors. So, as being a smaller private company, you know, we get asked the same kind of questions a lot of people do. You know, where are you going to get the capital? Do you have the support? Are we wasting our time negotiating with you? Now, we've been here for a while now. Like I said, I've been working inside for twenty years. We've built long-standing relationships. We know a lot of the people and the players. And now that Shakespeare has moved forward over the last year, mm. we have, uh, you know, developed more credibility, I would say, with some of the other companies that are in the basin where they see a strategic benefit in working with us. So, you know, I would uh, obviously a deal's never done till it's done. But I would say in the next year, we should be able to secure some additional uh, projects in the basin that will have synergies with our Shakespeare mind. So, see that again, that, this, this is where it starts getting inter interesting for me. OK, you've got a long track road in, in, in the basin. That's great. You know people, right? But like you say, they're only going to go with you if you've got access to capital. Right. Or this is strategic benefit. And you're saying some people are interested. They're interested in your knowledge, presumably. But it still comes back to the issue of availability of cash. Right. Availability of good projects because no one gives the good projects away for free. Right. So you got to either you got to either step up and, and pay pay a premium or pay a price for it. Or you got to deliver them something which they don't have. And, you know, what is it about you guys versus the bunch of other people that I've spoken to have got experience in this, you know, this basin, 
why are they going to go for you? Is it personal relationships? Yeah, I think there's a little bit. So one of the things that we're not looking to buy a world-class deposit in the Sudbury Basin. Okay. Those aren't for sale. Well, tell, tell us you know, about that. What, what is it? Do you, do, you, do you find small assets, roll them up and together, you know, absolutely. some of so the parts? Is that, is that the that, idea? That's what we're looking at doing right now. So we're looking at projects that are, you know, ideally past producers that can be brought back into production relatively quickly. But just do not make sense for the cost structure and the way that larger companies operate. And, you know, we have an in-depth understanding of that. Again, going back to our experience, taking mines that were, you know, very, very low priority and would never restart it under a major company, we were able to take those, approach things differently, keep cost structure low, you know, use mining methods that probably haven't been used in the Sudbury Basin in 30 years to very selectively mine some of these deposits mm. and and create a lot of cash flow. Now, it isn't on the scale that really moves the needle for a major company, but for a junior company, you know, it can create a tremendous amount of cash flow. And so right. these are the opportunities we're looking at and, and we have experience in doing before. I wouldn't say it's easy. It definitely, it comes down to having the right team, the right culture, the right approach you know, and having a CEO that asks the right questions from the people so they can stay focused on what's important. So I think we have a lot of credibility uh, with people. They know what we've done here before. And that gives more confidence that if they do a deal with us, at the end of the day, there's going to be some benefit to them. Right. Because most of the deals that we'd be looking at doing in one way or another have some tie to the owners long term, whether it's an offtake or royalty or something. So you know, they don't want to to sell something that at the end of the day, really, there's no long term benefit. What's the point? So we have uh, we've developed some confidence, I would say, in some of the discussions and the people we know in the basin. Okay. So first things first, though, you've got to get Shakespeare moving. You've got to get financed and you've got to be able to, you know, I think you talked about doing various studies and sort of understanding what it is that you've got and trying to understand the economics. That's fair enough. Um, and if you do that, you might be able to persuade someone to give you the money to be able to develop this thing out. So, I, from what I read, it's a sort of it's the standard sort of low grade, about 0.3 that sort of level, 0.33. Uh, but you do have the copper credits, which is a good thing. So, low grade means you need scale to get the economies going there. Do you need? to do these other acquisitions to kind of give you that scale? Or do you think Shakespeare has got the potential to actually become a meaningful project in its own right? Yeah, good question. So, you know, Shakespeare is a, you know, I would say you describe it in the lower grade category, but it's not uh, overly low grade at the, uh, you know, because of the byproducts. So mm. right now it's sort of sitting in that, you know, 0.65% nickel equivalent range. Uh, and that's why it really requires about a 4,500 ton per day uh, plant, you know, running it at 2,000 tons per day, you just don't really get the payback you require. So I think we have a good size plant. That's what our permits are currently is for 4,500 tons mm -hmm. per day. Um, you know, one of the things that has held back Shakespeare in the past is it only has, you know, in the 2006 feasibility study, about 11.5 million tons of reserves, which at 4,500 tons a day gives about a seven-year mine life. Mm. And so people look at that and say seven-year mine life is way too short. You know, it, it doesn't kind of meet our hurdles. But 
there is tremendous exploration potential. So to get back a little bit to why there's a seven-year mine light, in 2002, Ursa Major optioned the property from Falcon Bridge. Mm. They made a discovery in 2003, about 150 meters to the east of the West Deposit, which was the known historic deposit. It was about two and a half million tons. And, you know, had a great intersection, followed that up and basically drilled out over the next two and a half years, uh, about 14 million tons of resource. Mm. Now, this was at a time in 2005 where nickel was starting to take off and they saw an opportunity here. Let's get this permit. Let's do a feasibility study and get it into production and take advantage of these rising nickel prices. So they continued in 2006, completed a feasibility study. 2007 received permits for construction. So they did a great job. But after 2005, there really wasn't a focus on exploration anymore. They had enough to get going. Once we're cash flowing, we'll continue to drill out extend the mine life. And that was the strategy. 2008 came along, you know, everything stopped. And it wasn't until 2010 that they were able to actually, you know, start up through mm-hmm. toll milling some production. But when we acquired the property, you know, it was really an orphaned asset. Uh, the owner had, you know, had become very non-core. There was no institutional knowledge left. So it took us a lot of work to pull together all the data, the historic work that was done, reinterpret it, take the historic geophysics, reinterpret that. What we found was there's a tremendous amount of exploration potential, and we're quite excited about it. In 2018, we did some drilling in an area where we uh, had put down uh, some borehole EM, identified a plate between the east and west deposits. So currently, the project has two separate pits as per the 2006 feasibility study Mm. but what we were able to do we drilled this em plate between the two deposits in an area that was previously believed to be unmineralized breccia and every hole hit exactly where we expected in resource grade mineralization now we had a budget that didn't allow us to continue to keep drilling so we're hoping to continue that drilling and bring more of that material in between the two pits into resource. Uh, By doing that, you know, we should be able to deepen the West pit and expand the resources considerably. There's also a zone that, you know, has very little understanding. Two holes intersected it in the fifties, one of the early drill campaigns. It has 103 meter intersection uh, just to the South in what would be the foot wall of the West deposit. And there's no follow-up drilling. So it's a very large, um, you know, resource grade type intersection zone. Currently, it's about 750,000 tons in resource, but there's no drilling around it. Uh, up dip, it's open. Coincidentally, we found some mineralization on surface. I guess long and short is we really think through exploration, there's a lot of potential at Shakespeare. It's really been underexplored, and we think there is tremendous scale right Right. now taking the resource to 21 million tons uh, we believe you know we can add another 5 million tons of resource with additional drilling around the west deposit right okay those are the kind of exploration statements i would hope you would say and expect you to say but if we come back to what you've got today okay i do want to talk about this mill component because again i want to understand your thinking i'm fascinated by the way the management think you know, because you make or break companies with good decisions or bad decisions. So around this mill, sure. right now, today, you know, 4,500, you've got, you say you've got a permit for that? 
So we have the permits, we right, have the okay. closure plan and major permits for the mill and tailing storage facility in mind. Beautiful. So how long does like a mill of that size take to build? So once, you know, you start breaking ground, assuming that, you know, there isn't delays to long lead item components, it's about an 18 month build, but let's say 18 to 24 months. And what does that mean for you in terms of your ability to kind of hit this cycle? I mean, you've got to have a view on how long this cycle is going to run, how quickly you can get into production. And does this mill, the cost of this mill prohibit you in a down cycle from actually operating? Right. You know, what, what, what are all the economic factors you're trying to manage and the, the risks you're trying to mitigate? Because you've got to have a view of the future. You've got to have a view of what you can do today and what, what happens if there's a down cycle. Right. And you must have then had yeah. contingencies and plans. So, well, maybe, maybe we just go and renegotiate terms with the, the, the I think there's a couple of other mills locally aren't there um get better terms with those guys with so how, how did you go about measuring those things up against each other if you did do that yeah it's a good question we get asked that a lot uh you know once the mill is built and we're in production uh the mine actually has a, a pretty low c1 cost you know right. and again we're not finalized the feasibility study but from all the internal work we've done you know we're going to be somewhere you know on a on a byproduct basis you know south of a dollar a pound nickel so very good c1 cost uh <clears throat> as far as a toll milling idea you know we, we definitely have looked at that and a lot of people mm -hmm. have said you know why don't you just continue to keep toll milling create some cash flow it is an option it is an option now i don't see it as being the best option for us again when you talk about these these larger mills in the basin yeah um you know, they're really set up to process a massive amount of, yeah. of certain ores. And because our ore is, it's, it's got great recoveries, but it's not the same as a, you know, a standard Sudbury contact, and you know, 2% nickel ore. So I don't think we're going to get as good of terms as necessarily as we would, you know, want. And, you know, is it worth investing? I think that if nickel went to $10, there'd be an opportunity during, you know, our construction stage to be shipping ore, you know, as we're stripping, you know, start some early production through some toll milling for maybe a year or two until the mill's up and running. That is definitely a possibility. And I think we could make some, some pretty good cash flow from that. Long term, I just don't see it as being uh, the best option for the company because really at some point, you know, you do not have final control over your destiny. If they say, you know what, we've decided we don't want your ore anymore, what do you do? So, so you know, there may be some opportunity to create some cash flow in the short term, depending on, you know, metal prices. Hmm. But I think that, you know, the real focus is to get this built, be a low cost producer. As far as how we can tie in other projects, you know, Shakespeare on its own has a reasonably good payback. If we can extend the mine life, you know, the NPV goes up significantly mm -hmm. and, but if we could add in another deposit, let's say another, you know, non-core Sudbury deposit that has some higher grades, higher margins, and add that in at a thousand tons a day, displace some of our open pit ore. Well, the economics of that, you know, they are yeah. fantastic. Well, yeah, I mean, the, yeah, the lot, but this is, I don't envy a junior mining board at all because there's so many 
ifs and buts, you know, if it gets yep. to 10 bucks and if we can find an asset and if we can, do, it's kind of like me playing with a spreadsheet of, you know, what ifs, like I, I could make, I make a lot more money if my shares went up in price, I'd be like, <laughs> I, I'm trying to sort of piece together the kind of the roadmap that you go through. So what I'm hearing is you've got to get Shakespeare nailed down get that where you want it to be in terms of what you know about it, to be able to go and have intelligent conversations, sensible conversations with either money or people with money, and you're not public yet, so you've got some options, right? Strategic partners who may be just money and, and, the, and offer you different types of money or an operating company which has cash, which again, wants you kind of to be, I don't know, somehow under their wing. I mean, you've got to look at multitude of different options and you must have these sorts of conversations each week, I suspect, to, you know, to yeah, look absolutely. at how you move forward. So, right? Yeah, and it's actually interesting. You know, we have a yeah. lot of irons in the fire, um, especially in the base metal space. You know, there's just a limited number of players. So you want to get to know all of them. So we've had a lot of discussions with a lot of the different players. You know, at this point, we may we may want to partner with a producer already. Uh, look for a strategic investment. We have been talking with a lot of private equity groups who are, are quite interested. They like the team. They like the the space. They like the opportunity and the de-risk the de-risk nature of the project based on the permits. So there is a lot of opportunity out there. You know we uh, you know there's there's three majors operating in the basin. You know we have regular discussions with all of them yeah. and you know we're we're quite optimistic about the opportunities we have here so we do need to be you know flexible see opportunities weigh them against you know other opportunities and, and risks and yeah we're doing that on a on a regular basis and it's it's part of the exciting and fun part of the business well, well it's exciting till you run out of cash right <laughs> and then it stops becoming exciting <laughs> Look, sure. and i appreciate sure. your private and we don't have to worry too much because you know you're not public yet but, but you will be but mm -hmm. so you know how have you financed this thing so far i mean you've been in it two years yeah so you know we we started off with a very small sort of friends family uh, type round uh raised some money and you know we brought in some uh you know, a strategic sort of investor from uh, Vancouver, uh, David Elliott uh, from Haywood. Uh, so David came in and he's been a very supportive shareholder. David Elliott and his group own about 20% of the company. And, uh, you know, they've been, they've been great. Uh, you know, we are looking for that sort of next strategic, you know, partner to, to put in another uh, piece of money. Right now, we need about $2 million to finish the, the feasibility study update and do some of this high priority exploration drilling adjacent to the deposit, as well as, you know, finalize some of the minor permits and, and engineering we need to get done. So, you know, that that money is, uh, yeah, it's, you know, there's there's interest out there being a private company. It gives you some opportunity to get money from uh, maybe some places where, you know, from private equity groups that are looking to take a bigger stake in a company. But, uh, you know, being private also has its drawbacks where, you know, some investors just can't invest because they don't have that opportunity for liquidity. So, yeah, you know, it's, uh, you know, we talked to lots of people and we keep our G&A costs extremely low. So, you know, we really want to make sure that, you know, we're doing what's right for our shareholders, keeping the money that we're raising going into advancing Shakespeare, advancing our strategies. 
And so we've been able to do a lot, I'd say, for a little. And it's one of the reasons we've been hesitant uh, up until now to go public because just the extra costs associated with that. But, you know, definitely, uh, I would say once we have our feasibility study done and it, it looks positive with uh, coupled with hopefully some, some exploration success, uh, it would be a time we'd definitely look at, you know. So I, I, how much is the management sitting on at the moment? Are they, do they, have, they have shares in this, I guess? You bought shares? Yeah, so, you know, management has a lot. So the, the two founders, uh, myself and Derek, we have about 47% of the company mm -hmm. currently. Um, you know, neither of us have taken any salary or compensation. That's I right. don't even have options in the company. Um, you know, I am really working hard to, uh, for the other shareholders that are putting their cash into the company. And, and I believe so strongly in it that uh, I'm willing to do that. It's okay. really, it's about the big picture. That was my next question. Were you paying yourself? You're not. That's good. Um, so the money that's been put in today is going to bought in costs from outside costs at the moment, right? Correct. Okay. And then the next two million, would that continue to be the case? Yeah. You know, at some point, I wouldn't mind paying myself a modest salary if the board agrees. <laughs> what, but uh, <laughs> what does mod what does modest look like? I'm intrigued. But you know, if someone coming to you and like, "What's what's modest?" Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> you know, probably uh, more than uh, five thousand a month and less than fifteen. So, you know, okay, okay, okay. So we've just seen some fantastic salaries on here, and I do ask the CEOs, you know, what they're, what they're earning because for the public companies, it's easy. I can, I can, I can, I can take a look, but they don't like talking about it. Um, okay. So why, look, I think there's been a great introduction to you, which is the important thing here for people. So when you do go public, they can sort of see what you're like and what your thinking has been like, um, and what your plans are, or, you know, were from the start of this and, uh, track back and see if you've delivered on those. So, um, I do appreciate that. Do you want to kind of give us the, you know, three reasons why people should be uh, continuing to follow your story? Sure. So I'd say first and foremost is really, like I had mentioned earlier, I think that our team is unique. I think that we have a group that's been successful before. We're not trying to do something that we're not experts in, that we're don't have experience in. We're really trying to leverage the knowledge and the experience of the team mm -hmm. in, a, in a region that, you know, we have deep roots in. So I think that that's sort of the biggest thing. Nextly, Shakespeare is a unique nickel development project. I don't know of any other nickel development projects that are out there in a good jurisdiction that could be producing concentrates in you know, two and a half, maybe three years and have a capex of, you know, 150 million. So it's really unique, uh, de-risk, great. You know, we have a great region we're working in here. You know, being in Sudbury, we have every service provider, you know, workers go home every night, so you don't have the camps, which allows us to keep, you know, operating costs uh, lower than a lot of projects. Mm. So I think that's great. And then the third thing is really our broader strategy, the consolidation strategy to grow in the Sudbury Basin. I think that is, is something that all of our investors currently have really seen as sort of a key reason that they want to get in early and uh, and take advantage of it because the potential is great. If you believe in nickel, hmm. I think that we are one of the, the best stories out there. Well, yeah, it's definitely the story of, of the moment. Um, 
And I think, Co- you know, Cobalt and Lithium have been through that in recent years, mm-hmm. recent past couple of years. And, uh, you know, Gold hopes that it is the new story. But uh, people are interested in Nickel. Be interested to see how you guys get on. Um, why don't you stay in touch? Maybe we should touch base in the next three, four months when you sort of know Absolutely. what's going on, all right? Appreciate your time today, Jason. Thanks for telling the story. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.